Alright, um, so I can introduce Bleach. Uh, I'll take care of Magus at the library. Okay. But yeah, Corey, you are now the Bleach expert of this podcast, since I think you read more than either of us did. Uh, I read 229 chapters. Yeah, I did not read that <laughs> I am on 72 <laughs> right now, like, as we so. Like, they've just gotten to Soul Society. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Monging Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me. Hi, everybody. And we are back after a break, and after this we're going to take uh, just as long of a break. Um, our final episode of the year, the next episode, will be uh, our favorite manga of 2020, yet again. Um, but this time we're talking about, for our older series, Bleach, and for our newer series, Magus of the Library. Um, we are continuing the Tite Kubo trend, I guess. Uh, we are also continuing to use the fact that Shonen Jump Vault is fast and for only $2 a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but let's, let's talk about Bleach. Um, for those of you who have been living under a rock, I guess, around the, uh, around the, uh, mid to late 2000s era, uh, or maybe you weren't alive, that would be kind of horrifying to think of. Um, <laughs> we would have, like, 13-year-olds listening to this podcast. 13-year-olds should not be listening to this podcast. I curse too much. <laughs> uh, but Bleach is about this kid, 15 years old, named Ichigo Kurosaki. He is, um... Just a regular old kid when he meets a soul reaper named Rukia, and they are attacked by a uh, hollow, and the hollows are uh, like fallen souls, not like evil souls, but souls that have become uh, corrupted in some way after death, uh, and thus they turn into these evil beings that are hollows, and they just want to kill humans and do all sorts of bad stuff and such. Um, so they, uh, Rukia, and is trying to fight this hollow. And, uh, she ends up injured because Ichigo tries to bug in on it and gives up her Soul Reaper powers to Ichigo, and thus starts the whole series, uh, off from there. Ruki has lost her powers, she is trying to regain them, and Ichigo has her powers, so he has to, uh, replace her as the Soul Reaper of this district, Kagakura Town, I guess. They, ha- they have districts. Um, we'll get into complaints about the Soul Society in a minute, but, uh... <laughs> Uh, the series is uh, first starts as kind of monster of the week. They fight a hollow. They have a, a story um, that goes along with that hollow, and it's not like monster of the week. And that one chapter is one um, one story. It's like uh, several chapters are one story. Uh, then it gets into a lot more things where Rukia is uh, taken back to the Soul Society for crimes committed, um, and then Ichigo has to save her and. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens after that, but um, the Bleach is something that I have read 226 chapters of in preparation for this podcast. I had read the manga completely before this, uh, not that I remember basically anything um, in the in the Fullbring saga or after that. Uh, and I have watched a good portion of the anime. This is the proverbial one of the proverbial big three in the U.S. Even though I don't know how true that claim is with Naruto and One Piece, but, uh, 
um, what do you two think of Bleach? How much have you read before this? Uh, for this podcast, I ended up reading, I think, 72 chapters is what I got up to about five minutes ago. Uh, before that, uh, when I was first getting online in, like you said, mid-2000s, Bleach was like really big in the circle of people I was becoming friends with. So, God, I remember, I think I marathoned like... <laughs> 200 chapters in a month and you have to understand at that time i was only allowed one hour of internet a day so i was just blasting <laughs> oh, through the series on one manga and that was after i'd already like caught up with naruto um so i think i probably got about three or four hundred chapters in by the end the last arc i recall really clearly involved aizen coming to the human world so there's a whole bunch of people fighting there and it seems like that should be the end of the story but it's not no. because Tide Kubo has a real issue with like coming up with endings, and his solution is I'll just create new characters and a new conflict, <laughs> and we'll keep on going. Yeah, and I feel like you can definitely feel that in these early chapters, which were a lot more frantic and like sloppily put together than I remember. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems like he needs like a good forty chapters or so to get to the groove. And that's right where I stopped, was 40 chapters. So this is the first time that I've ever read it. So I thought I had done a good job reading 40 chapters since yesterday, but Corey's read 200. So I, but not since I've yesterday. Read, yeah, I've read it in like three weeks, so don't. Sure, yeah, right, right, yeah. Uh, other than that, I'd only ever watched like four episodes of the anime like several years ago. So it was pretty new to me. I thought I knew the basic premise, but I guess I didn't. So I don't. I don't think I have the same the same takes as you all, just because I haven't gotten far enough into it. I really thought I did something with 40 chapters, but there's like 600 of them. So. Yeah, I was looking at how many chapters there were in total, and I think Kubo really missed out on ending on like 666 chapters. He like goes <laughs> just beyond that. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I... If I am recalling correctly, uh, I believe Bleach was kind of canceled at that point, so he, had, yeah, he just was like forced. Yeah, it was just sort of like limping along. Yeah, he was forced to kind of wrap up the story. Um, from at least reading as much as I had, like the beginning part is really fun because it's just kind of stuff that is happening and there's not really a, any connective thread, so you're just kind of able to enjoy it um, for what it is. Uh, as you said, Ellen, it can get kind of clunky at times. But he at least had this idea of Aizen and wanting to uh, eventually blow up Karakura Town, I guess, to uh, kill the Spirit King, who is the king of the spirit of the Soul Society. Um, and that that's the the plot that he is working toward. And like, it's very clear that he knows uh, where to get to, and he doesn't know how uh-huh. to get there. You see, I question the first part of that statement, that he even knows where he's going. Because I remember when I was reading it over years, that it seems like he kept trying to kill off Aizen and then pull back at the last minute, but then had to, like, write a way for the characters to plausibly think they had won and then pull back. Yeah, um, that, that does happen, as I, if I remember. I don't remember that part very well, because it just got, like, so long and wild uh, by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also going off of, like, or, like, eight-year-old memories at this point for that much, since the chapters in this were longer than I thought. I thought I'd be able to polish off far more of this than I was able to. The chapters were just longer. I will say, though, I never really tried out the anime, and I think reading the manga is probably a better way to do it, because with the anime, you know, you have to watch 30 minutes. With this, you can just blitz through it, like, as fast as you can, mm-hmm. or as slow as you want to. <laughs> and there's a lot of filler in the anime as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really was surprised at how different the beginning of it was than I remembered. Like, um, 
Orihime is like a total airhead. I was yeah. thinking, wow, <laughs> this is like, I remember her being kind of dumb, but smart, but also booby. Like, I remember that whole combination, <laughs> but I'm like, oh God, did you guys ever see the leak spin meme online? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think so. Of course. Yeah. I, I had totally forgotten that she's like this total spazzy airhead in the beginning, and it was like this explains so much of what I saw online. And, and in the makes and makes really weird food combinations. Like apparently tastes good to only her and Rungigu. I mean, to be fair, she's living by herself, so the only person she really needs to cook for is herself. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely seemed like the series is kind of struggling to like find its fit as it's you know, trying to delve a bit into Ichigo's backstory. But it's just kind of clunky. It's like Kubo's trying to figure out who the most interesting characters are in it. Um, mm-hmm. As um, one of the big plot points is that Ichigo is just absolutely freaking loaded with spirit powers. Just the kid has more than he knows what to deal with. And that means, oh, hey, all of his friends have been slowly accumulating spirit powers over the years they have known him. Uh, which eventually comes in handy because they've got a bust into the underworld to go save um, Rukia eventually, and Ichigo can't do that by himself. Um, I do remember one of my big complaints from early on is that um, in Ichigo's main circle of friends, there's some guys and some girls, and one of the girls is Tatsuki. Um, she's like Orihime's friend. She's actually known Ichigo the longest, and she just doesn't get powers for the longest time. I think she was like finally maybe getting something by the time I dropped off in the manga, which again, I think was probably around the 300s. Yeah. I was always like, Kubo, you're leaving this character out. Like, all of her friends have powers now. This girl, why not? Especially since she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a karate master. I, I came in second place in this tournament of a broken arm because I got run over by a car after the semifinals. <laughs> yeah, and she never gets powers, as I recall. It's only Chag and Orihime that get powers, and even they're, like, largely irrelevant by even the second arc. Yeah, because then, then we start going into the weird shit where everyone's like, okay, we, we made each go into a Soul Reaper again, and he's also a Hollow now. We didn't yeah. see this coming, but it could be a problem or it could be awesome. We don't know how to handle this. Yeah. Oh, and it turns out he's not even the first person to become a Hollow and not lose their mind. There's this whole other secret society of them. Not the Soul Society, a, a secret society. Yeah, former of Soul Society people. Former Soul Society people. I also liked some of the world building with this idea that Soul Society is actually kind of this soulless place where you have all the souls who go there after they died and they just live kind of boring, miserable lives, honestly. <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting take on the underworld. Um, yeah, I, I always think that stories involving the underworld are kind of interesting just since they vary so much across cultures, um, but stories just don't usually deal with them. And this didn't even feel like especially Japanese. Uh, it in some ways reminds me a little bit of the Jewish concept of shoal, which is um, less of an afterlife and more about you exist as long as you're remembered. It's a really interesting one. It wasn't picked up by Christianity at all. But yeah, there's a lot of like little details I enjoy in Bleach. It just takes a while to get to them. Mm-hmm. And I was also surprised that some things didn't annoy me as much as I remembered. Like um, there's that there's that like TV psychic guy. The one who looks like he's ripping oh, off of like Don some Kanoji. stereotype of a voodoo guy from New Orleans. Yeah, and I was like, this guy's actually not annoying me as much as he did originally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he also wasn't in like uh, you said you didn't watch much of the anime, but he was. No. In, I think he was in the anime a lot more. Um, 
which which annoyed me, but he basically has his one arc and then shows up randomly a little bit after that. Like that's okay. enough of him. Um, maybe maybe he was playtesting with the the jump readers. They didn't like him, so and so his editors were like, "Don't don't rank." Sorry, Dan, you didn't rank high in the character rankings. You can't be in the manga anymore. Yeah, which I'm told is how it goes for most, except Chainsaw Man. Apparently, Chainsaw Man just doesn't care, but everything else <laughs> does care about putting the most interesting characters that the fans like in again and again. Yeah, but I guess like. Uryu was a character that they liked because they had to add him, but not give one of his other friends the same powers. Well, Uryu had, like, the whole backstory going on. Yeah. Although, as I was reading it in the manga, I was just like, this backstory is so tortured. (laughs) I'm not in, like, oh, deep in suffering. It's more along the lines of, oh my god, Kubo, just please put down the pen. Give give yourself a moment (laughs) to think about what you're writing and come back. Of a story that's not so belabored. He's just the last of the Quincy's, and his dad was killed by a person that he's fighting in the Soul Society. What's so weird about that? No, but you have to understand, he thinks that the Quincy's were right all along, even though they were killing souls, and they were potentially bringing about the end of the world, and he's still unhappy about it, but he says he doesn't care. It's like, come on. It's like, please chill. Oh, wow. Yeah. Avery, you, I think we've, you I think we've mentioned that. by this point. I didn't get that far into yeah. it, now. <laughs> I think we've also mentioned by this point that Kubo's solution to working himself out of um, plot problems is just to add in more characters. And let me tell you guys, the Bleach cosplay gatherings for years were just like biggest things you can think of because there's like 10 million goddamn characters. Yeah, so that's another thing about Bleach is that there's so many characters. Like, to begin with, Ichigo just has a lot of friends. Uh, and thankfully, several of them become irrelevant through for the story, so I don't I don't have to remember their names, even though I still remember their names. They were also playtested. Yeah. <laughs> but then there are th- uh, the 13 Court Guard squad uh, in the dub, at least, because that's how I remember it, because I watched the dub first. But um, I believe it was 13 Court Guard Company in the manga. Um it's so, definitely funny looking at some of the localization choices by Viz and the manga, and I'm like, oh, you probably wouldn't have gone that way today. Like, at one point, there's that black cat character, and they're definitely introducing um, her as a mister at first, and I'm like, nope, that's a lady. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all messed up. <laughs> uh, at least in the in the dub, the gig, the Yuroichi also had a masculine voice, and then when she transformed, it was a more feminine voice, because she's and then yet another big booby lady. <laughs> But and yeah. I will also mention right here, yeah, it's kind of awkward that, like, probably one of the few dark-skinned characters in the series turns into a black cat. It's like, yep, that, that is Kubo. Mm. Kubo. Yeah, but uh, the 13 core guard squads, each of them have a captain. Each of them have a lieutenant. Uh, a couple of them, you, you find they're, like, third seeks and uh, fifth seeks and, like, seventh seeks. Um, Wait, do they just skip fourth seats because that's the word for dead? <laughs> Uh, I don't think we've actually seen the fourth seek, so maybe. Superstitious. Yeah. yeah, all y'all are already dead, so. Uh, yeah, Yumi Chika's character suggests that there is a fourth seek because he chose to be the fifth seek instead of the fourth seek because he likes how the number five looks as opposed to how the number four looks. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the level of plotting I expect from the series. There, there's just so many characters, and then, um,. With uh, Aizen defecting, he makes ten more characters of ten, like, really strong hollows that have gained Soul Reaper powers, and as you said Sorry, earlier... Sorry, that makes it sound like Aizen just, like, cuts off his fingers and some, like, new characters or something. Oh, wait, no, we're not talking about Jujutsu Kaisen this week. 
Uh, I mean, he might as well have. He took the uh, the Hogyoku from the Soul Society, which is the whole reason why they wanted to kill Rukia, because Urahara hid this Hogyoku in Rukia's uh, body. There's just... There's a lot about Bleach. That is... Yeah, I missed a lot. <laughs> I really thought I was doing... I'm like, yeah, 40 chapters in a day. I'm doing great. I missed a whole bunch. <laughs> I mean, in a day, that's pretty good. That's more than I was definitely doing as, like, a 15-year-old just furiously reading online. Yeah. Sorry, I was 16. I was 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. Um, well, and I, I feel like in the chapters that I read, like, I enjoyed them, but I also kind of didn't... Like, I... I I don't know where like forty chapters <laughs> in. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it takes for Rukia to be uh, returned to the Soul Soul Society to really have a direction for mm-hmm. you know, plot wise. Yeah, like I said, I got into like chapter seventy two, and they've just arrived at Soul Society, and I'll probably keep rereading this, you know, on and off in the evenings for a while until I get bored of it, which is the proper way to read Bleach. Just read <laughs> until you're bored. <laughs> um. Because, yeah, there, there's just so many characters, uh, the plot just gets kind of weird, and it's like, just, you need an editor. And I think we might have we joked about this while we were recording last time, might have been after we were recording, but Viz has been putting out some of the light novels, and the light novels are actually written by Ryogo Naruto, who does Bakano and Durarara. And I was like, yeah, if there's one Japanese light novel author out there who I expect to be able to control, like, an enormous cast of characters with a weird-ass plot, it is Naruto. Like, yeah. he has convinced me of Bleach, uh, not Bleach, with Bakano, because Bakano also has, like, a ridiculous cast of characters. The trick there is that he only adds, like, three new characters a volume, and they also have to go to a different city, usually. <laughs> like, um, like that time that, like, three different people all try to blow up Chicago on the same day. That was a problem. Yeah. But, like, immediately upon reading Bleach, I was tweeting it, um, we were introduced, I think, up to the ninth or tenth captain or something, so we know there is going to be at least nine other characters that we will be introduced to. And then we find out there are 13 of them, plus lieutenants. Just so, so many characters. You have, uh, uh, 26 characters. I think 27 characters, actually, because the 13th, uh, 13th squad does not have a lieutenant, but it has two vice third seats uh come on guys just duel it out for the second yeah (laughs) yeah so uh 27 characters immediately that you're just introduced to and expect it to uh see as adversarial i guess uh like some of them become friends to be fair all of them are assholes at first yeah uh, some of them become friends. A uh, pretty quick friend because he had history with Rukia. Kenpachi Zaragi becomes a friend because he starts to respect Ikigo for his powers. Um, but yeah, so many. He needs friendship. Yeah. And then, like, after Aizen leaves the Soul Society, takes the Hogyoku, and then it goes to the next arc, we're introduced to, uh, like, seven other new characters that are the Soul Reapers that are getting hollow powers. And that's in addition to the ten, the ten hollows that are getting soul reaper powers. So like seventeen new characters in the second arc. So that's what, uh, forty-two characters or something. What? And that's and not even main characters. Secondary characters to start with, like um, Rukia's contact in the human world. Um, God, I don't know if I've gotten to the point where they've actually reintroduced his name in the Japanese. Not in the Japanese. In the this translation, are calling him Mister Hat and Clogs. Oh, um, the guy with the storefront. Let me tell you all, that was a popular cosplay for a year. You could buy that hat at any IE. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yes, yeah, so we've already got even like even these tertiary characters on the sides, and it's just like 
And it's funny because it feels like Kubo keeps leaving like obvious plot threads dangling as well. Because I seem to recall it took a while for the manga to actually resolve what's his story when he's there basically from the beginning. Yeah. Or like um, Ichigo obviously has crazy strong supernatural powers. His dad doesn't, but both of his younger sisters always have as well, and they just sort of leave that blank. Well, and no, the like, ex, uh, sorry, that like, is something. Oh, yeah, it comes up later, but um, yeah. even Kubo, who will like, fudge back and forth, he'll be like, they're this strong. No, they're not this strong. You know, keeps going back and forth. I seem to recall the reveal about Ichigo's dad surprised me just since I was expecting the reveal to be all along that his mom was a soul reaper or something, and that's not it. As far so, as no, his dad was a soul reaper. That was in reveal in the... the uh, arc immediately following the Soul Society arc, but eventually oh, yeah, yeah. way I down the line. Of it, though, okay, that was yeah. Surprising me at the time because I thought he was in the opposite direction because dead mom and Ichigo's dad seems to have no powers. It's like that's where the secret lies. The life yes. of the dead person. Oh, my gosh. But no, I was wrong. Yeah, when I reread that spoiler about his mom, I was just like, oh my gosh, how did I not even remember this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny because again, Kubo doesn't seem to have plotted out a lot of these things from the start. So yeah. when Ichigo first becomes a human with Soul Reaper powers, it's just sort of blowing everybody's minds. Everyone's like, this shouldn't even be possible. But then we see it's like, no, like this seems like it's definitely something that can happen and has happened before. Like, y'all have definitely had some weird stuff going on. Like, does the Soul Society just have like really great sensors? Is everybody a dumbass? Because nobody read everyone... like the old like incident reports, you know? Like here. I think everyone is dumb. That's Okay. That's my take on the Soul Society. Uh, so I have a lot of questions about like general structure of the Soul Society. Obviously, they're they have Let's like bring a good them and create dumb answers for them. Yeah, <laughs> they have like a good uh, power structure, not power structure, but like militaristic structure where there's leaders and uh, followers. But what is their purpose? Because the Hollows that we see for the most part are not very strong, and until Ising shows up, the Hollows that they would fight against should not be. Uh, as strong as a captain level person. So, like, why do captain level people exist? Yeah, uh, I guess that's the whole power creep thing. I mean, maybe if you're just dead for a while, you get really bored and you just get powerful on your own. Also, I always assumed that the Soul Society covered the entire world, but then there's that reveal in Burn the Witch that they're actually, like, Soul Society West or something. So it's yeah. like, oh, so this Soul Society covers, like, just Japan or something? It's like, I, I know Japan has a, like, a declining population, so you probably have a lot of dead souls to deal with, but still, this seems excessive. All the other souls just go to some sort of lawless zone, where they all kill each ah, other or something, America. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, with American, like, soul reapers have, like, guns or something? <laughs> well, there I'm is mad, the one I'm hollow that has like guns. Cowboy, like, soul reapers now. There's also the one hollow that has guns, so... I haven't gotten to that hollow yet. Uh, <laughs> I forget what his name is, but he's the the strongest person in Eisen's squad. What do they even call those The people? strongest for how long, though? Because, again, power creep. Yeah, uh, at least the strongest for the uh, for the duration of their relevancy. Okay, what were some of the other questions you had? Let's just go all in. Oh, um, I mean, my main question was the Soul Society one, because, like, why do these captain-level people exist? If you can just have these foot soldiers that kill all the hollows. Um, there's, like, this... Uh, there's the Kido core, which we don't know, like, I haven't even gotten to yet. That's what um, Urahara's buggy Tessai is from, as well as Hachi, the the very large, um, the very large visor person that hangs out with all the visors because he's a visor. I don't know why I added that part. Uh, <laughs> 
Like, they, they're part of a Kigo core, and, like, why is there a Kigo core in addition to the Soul Society? It feels like there can just be a Kigo specializing uh, unit in the Soul Society. Or, I mean, within the 13-core guard squad, like, maybe the 6th unit is the Kigo core, and, like, the 2nd unit is the Stealth core, and the 12th unit is the uh, Research and Development core. <laughs> Corey is proposing a restructuring of Soul Society. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess most of my question a lot about the soul society and why is why is it this why is it this way uh but in terms of the plugging i was actually surprised about how many um how many random things that kubo seemed to think oh this will be a cool idea when i finally introduce it so he kind of lays some hints about them or maybe it was that his editor said oh you get an earlier why don't we do something cool about that later i don't know i don't know who the chicken and the egg is in this in this scenario but um it seemed like my complaining about uh, the direction that Kubo thought he was going was maybe uh, too harsh. I mean, he, he still doesn't know, really know where he's going a lot of the time, but at least he knew some of the time, which I would not give him that before I started rereading Bleach. Also, a lot of the early comedy is just sort of unfunny. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem too. like he also takes a while to figure <laughs> out everybody's character. Like, everybody gets a little more serious and a little bit more bearable, like... 50 chapters in or so. Yeah. Like, Rukia is no longer like, um, hello, my fellow kids, thank God. Um, <laughs> it was definitely funny watching her use, like, an old Nokia phone for, like, everything. I was like, I know this is period appropriate, but it's still kind of funny and fitting. Um, or he may get a little less dumb, etc. <laughs> yeah. I also forgot about, like, their side friend, who's, like, the predatory lesbian of Orihime. I'm like, I totally forgot about this. Yeah. And then the other side friend, who is the predatory straight person to all the women... <laughs> Wait, I don't remember this. <laughs> oh, uh, is this one of Ichigo's guy friends? Yeah, Ichigo's guy friend, Keiko, the right. guy with the, like, slightly long hair. That is weird. I just got to the point where he's like, I was so lonely that you guys, I played five RPGs in ten games. Yeah, that in guy. ten days. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, that guy could have been a modern-day Twitch streamer. <laughs> <laughs> you could have so many Twitter followers. He wouldn't ever be. But anyway, Bleach is uh, such a wild series. I kind of want to go on a deep dive on the whole series <laughs> with someone. But that Do requires it. me to read, like, still 400 more chapters from where I am. And I mean, it's not like any of us are ever going to get closure on what the word bleach was supposed to mean. Since apparently there's no, like, stated word of God answer for what the bleach for what bleach is supposed to refer to. I always thought it had to do with either Ichigo's hair or, like, you know, the black and white nature of Soul Society robes, yada, yada, yada. But apparently that's never confirmed. Yeah, from what I read which I guess is not confirmed. It was supposed to be the white Soul Society robes, but then he changed them to black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work then. <laughs> yeah, Bleach does not make your clothes darker. <laughs> oh, man. Bleach is such a wild series. I think uh, after rereading... I think we have thoroughly scared April off of the series. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like a lot. I think, I think I'll think i keep it. It's $2. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after rereading it, I can definitely see why people like it so much like just from the visuals and from the uh from the dynamic fights in it 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 is just very uh viscerally exciting but if you sit and think about it for a little while basically none of it makes sense (laughs) um but like reading or like looking at bleach is just so 
so nice <laughs> compared to some of the manga that we've read. Uh, like, I never had any difficulty telling characters apart between, between like, their hair, their face, how they dress. Um, they're all extremely unique. Like, I loved Kubo's character designs. They're so, so good. Which is something to be said, again, considering how many characters there are and how, like, half the cast is wearing, like, the same uniform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I my... would say he's got interesting weapon designs as well, except no, his answer is always just to make the sword butt bigger or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dig like the powers sometimes, like Rangie's stretches and. Uh... Oh, but then they get really weird where they start invoking like their special powers and their extra special powers, and yeah. it's like, oh no, the power creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a different question that I had. Like Ichigo's power creep just seemed so unrealistic, but I was like, eh, it's a shonen manga, whatever. I don't care that much. <laughs> This is the problem when the basic premise of the series is that Ichigo is just absolutely loaded with spiritual powers. That's like, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. How can anyone ever be a threat to him then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least they did keep consistent that Aizen is like constantly uh, stronger than literally every anybody that he runs into. And his I mean, power like is just so OP. he's a brain, so... Yeah. Uh, but man, Bleach, uh, I think I still like you. Uh, maybe more <laughs> than I did before this reading. <laughs> Oh no, we gotta deprogram him, April. <laughs> he hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid, he's drunk the bleach. <laughs> this, is how you, uh, this is how you cure the virus. No, <laughs> no, Corey. <laughs> you inject it straight into your veins, which is basically what you're doing reading this anyway. So. God damn it, we could have made so many good jokes about that on Twitter at the time and none of us thought of it. God damn it. <laughs> Alright, well, uh... Let's take a short break. We'll, we'll be back to talk about Vages of the Library on the other side. Welcome back, y'all. And now we are doing a, I don't know, maybe a 180? I feel like we could go farther for 180, but we're doing at least a 90-degree turn. <laughs> I'm talking about a different fantasy manga, a true fantasy, no connection to the real world or modern times at all, um, Magus of the Library, which is by Mitsu Uzumi. Kodansha Comics made an interesting choice in replicating the Japanese cover, where the Japanese cover says translate here in English, you know, based on Coffin of the Wind by Sophie Schwimm, translated by Hiroto Hamada. Those are both fictional people. They don't actually exist. They are within the context of the story as far as you can tell. And yet, by doing that, uh, if you look in, like, the cataloging programs that libraries use, a lot of libraries, they'll um, copy catalog, they'll find someone else who's already made an entry for something, and then use it and tweak it to fit in their own system. They all now list Sophie Schwinn and Hiroto Hamada as, like, actual creators of this series. <laughs> so this manga about libraries and librarians has created a very interesting problem for librarians. Oh, and, um, this just... is awesome. I hope Dana listens to this part <laughs> and gets annoyed by it. Yeah, I spent a good amount of time trying to figure that out when I was writing my first review of this, because I was like, what is this? I was, like, getting to the point where I was, like, having to copy the name in Japanese, paste it to Google, and then I tried to Google translate the answers. And I was like, <laughs> if the Japanese readers also can't figure this out, then they're probably not a real person. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, so... 
Mags the Library is honestly a good series, aside from that very <laughs> unique snafu there. <laughs> in this world, we have many different races of people who all live together in relative harmony. It's a little uneasy, but mostly in harmony. They weren't always united, but about a hundred years ago, they all faced like this big existential threat and had to band together. And ever since then, people have been connected through trade and especially through the flow of books. One of the biggest things that come out of this unification was the establishment of the Central Library, which I think is located in basically the center of this union of countries. It's kind of like a United States of countries. And they, um, to an extent, control the flow of information. They're definitely controlling what's get published, since it's a world of magic. So you can imagine some books have, you know, um, magical powers associated with them. And uh, to work in these libraries as a Kafna, as a librarian, is the highest dream for many people, especially women, because sexism still exists in this world. So it's considered a very um, popular career choice for many young women, which is true of like modern day librarians, which are primarily female anyway. Um, and so in this very remote village, we have Theo, who is not related to anybody in the village. There's a woman he calls his sister, but honestly, Three volumes in, we still don't know where she found him as a child, but she has raised him ever since. And Theo looks very visibly different from his um, neighbors. They all look, well, the three of us would just call, you know, regular human, you know, rounded ears, um, anime faces with darker skin. And he's got like these half elf ears and pale skin and a mark on his forehead. Uh, to the people of this world, it's very clear that he has a mixed um, racial heritage going on. And I know like, of his two races, like, one was oppressing the other, so, like, he, he's never had a good life in this village. Um, he studies as hard as he can, but they won't even let him in the library. Um, everyone makes fun of him, so he spends a lot of time in nature with, like, his magical dog friend. So, Theo, who, who has a horn, yeah, like, I did say magical dog friend, so... <laughs> Um, so Theo is in town one day when some of these Kafnas from the Central Library come out because they've gotten a report of someone finding a grimoire or, you know, an old book with magic, probably malintent associated with it. And Theo becomes swept up in this incident as they try to contain the book, which has fire powers, which, you know, is exactly what you want in like a combustible book made of, you know, like animal skin or paper or rags. And so he gets caught up in all of that. And Theo resolves that, you know, this is now going to be his goal in life to study really hard and travel to the capital so he can become one of these Kafnas himself someday. And after this incident, his standing in the village does improve. And so he's able to really inspire changes in other people. And then um, so once the time comes, once he reaches, you know, he's a young teenager, he sets off for it and he's traveling across this really intricately drawn world, the art in this manga is great. When I was first reading the first volume, I took like so many screenshots so I could just pepper Twitter with them. And I think I got like three different people to say, okay, I'm going to check this out now just from the screenshots. It looks really great. And it's a really deep love story to just the power of books, the power of information, the power of storytelling. I really like Theo. Uh, the creator also seems to have this habit of introducing a lot of characters. Like, she keeps introducing interesting side characters, and then they're not there in the next volume, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> Mitsui Izumi, please be careful, it is really hard to balance big cast, like, be careful what you're doing. <laughs> I've had reviews of the first three volumes up on POASG, if people want to go check those out. Volume four comes out, I think, in December, and honestly, this is, like, one of my biggest joys. 
to find this year. I have just absolutely fallen in love for this series. And Corey, before we started recording, you said you had hot takes on this. And at first, I was really worried that you were going to break my heart and say you hated it. But you've, you've told me that was not it. You do not actually hate it. These aren't the bad takes. Yeah, correct. These are good hot takes about the series. Uh, I was one of those people that read your, or saw your tweets about it and was like, oh, I'm really interested in this. But as with everything that I want to read, I don't read it until we decide to either do it or not do it on this podcast because I will forget yeah, this, everything this time about Dana it. starts messaging me with stuff like, you guys need to do Swan or from Eroico with love so I can make Corey actually read them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it also doesn't help that there is, like, such a dearth of new manga that it's hard to even go back to old manga. Yeah, rest in peace, my two-review pile, it's so big. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping that, April, you also liked this. Um, I don't know, I feel like I'm probably going to be the biggest fan of this out of the podcast, but just because I'm already such a big fan of it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I thought it was great. Um, I'm always up for stories that are about libraries or books it's probably one of my favorite things so i had seen this a few times in the store but had never really thought to pick it up and then made a big right stuff order and included it and i'm glad that i did because it's it's really good and the art they're not exactly the same but it kind of reminds me of a bride story at least some of the detail Mm, Hmm. at least in the beginning that's uh like the first couple of pages that's the first thing i thought of um but yeah i really enjoyed and just the world that they've built and the importance of librarians i've read other books about like traveling librarians that are very important so i was surprised to see this manga too but yeah this was this was probably one of my favorites too the only volume i don't have is the third so yeah it's funny since as somebody who i mean i guess i could call myself a librarian it's not my technical job title but it's the easiest summation of it i'm always very critical of stories about libraries and librarians but this series gets it really right like in the second volume, two characters have a quick debate on you know, the ways that libraries and bookstores fulfill um, different but equally valuable niches in a society. And I was like, whoa, they get it. They get it. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised by that. I thought about you when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, yes, these are the conversations you have in library school. <laughs> um, or in the third volume, Theo is taking the exam to become a librarian. And one of the things that they're faced with is that they're split up into groups and they're presented with like a couple of scraps of material and they have to figure out like what book they came from just looking at clues of like oh here's the language it's written in here's the way it was printed this is what the cover looks like and i thought that was all really fascinating um although like there was a couple of details in there i'm like i'm not sure that was actually a real thing in life but now i'm curious to look it up um i enjoy the where there's a small scene where they talk about like book restoration or pages Mm -hmm. and um i don't know how much of that happens in real life but it was still really interesting (laughs) yeah conservation is like an advanced skill you have to go and like undergo like extra training in that usually like there's a lot of chemistry involved (laughs) and a lot of that also has to deal with in real life it's like okay you know what's the value in spending the time restoring this one book over another since we have limited time and limited money to hire people to do stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but in the context of this it made sense especially since in the first volume part of it was okay if we can make these changes to the book it will stop like spitting out fire demons (laughs) which is good for everybody because we are currently (laughs) in a library that it is on fire right now so do are do you do anything or know anything about the restoration of older books Helen? uh i've had a class that was on more preservation than conservation there's like some finer nuances in there I mean, it was a very useful class. Um, My teacher had um, worked at the Library of Congress, and we had stuff like 
we had a lab where we went down to the basement one day and it was like, okay, here's all these old books we don't know anymore. Drop them into a bucket of water. Okay, how do you treat them? <laughs> it's okay. okay. We all knew this was going to happen. It happened. No, no one was emotionally damaged by this. Some of those books were real fucking dirty, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was wondering, like, is that the actual, or basically the actual process of how to fix books is to cut up or rip up uh, slices of very thin whatever it was and paste them over uh, the thingy. Yeah, there's actually, um, if, you're, if you've got a damaged page and you kind of want to put it together, you wouldn't necessarily use tape, but uh, there's Japanese paper you would use. It's like very specific, like the specific old style of making paper where the way it's made doesn't means the paper doesn't have a grain since um the paper um its grain is going to determine like which way is stronger which way is weaker so it's easier to rip paper in one direction and the other hmm. but the way this special paper is made it doesn't have that grain so it's especially good um for restoration so people might do that you know in very careful little batches um you've got like a special like little hot iron to use i did do that i did practice with that a little bit um so yeah, almost all the stuff they showed there rang true. Like, of course, restoring a book, you know, you're going to do different things depending on how badly it's done. Right. You know, you might need to just redo the spine. You know, you might need to replace the cover, etc. It's funny because one of my volumes of manga I got my review copy for, like, just half the pages are falling out, just didn't adhere properly. And I'm thinking at some point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to do this the old-fashioned way. I'm going to need to get, like, a blow dryer. I'm going to heat up the spine and reheat the glue and just smash it together or something. <laughs> Learning from my manga-steaming forebearers about how to activate the glue in the manga spine. Um, but that is definitely not um, a library-approved practice. No. Uh, yeah. I did like this, the, the manga as a whole, though I, I agree with what you're saying. That, like, it really, uh, the love for books and the love for libraries really comes through the page through both uh, the characters actions and through like um, just the author's intent with it as well like they're clearly enamored with uh, books and libraries or at least know a lot about them and are able to um, take that enthusiasm uh, into fiction um, but like what I was really surprised about with this series is like you see a lot of these tragic backstories of characters that are subjugated for whatever reason. Uh, in this case, it's uh, racism and uh, classism, but you don't, we don't really expect like what that does to the main character, because in a lot of these, they're just like, they move on with their lives, but in this one, he specifically says uh, a lot of stuff about, like, you know the mental anguish it takes to be... Uh, called long ears and to be told that your skin color is different every single day of your life like i found that very surprising and very eye-opening uh for a manga to do this where you know 98 percent or whatever of people in japan are japanese or of asian origin yeah poor baby theo and honestly if the bullying hadn't stopped when he was still pretty young he probably would have turned out a very different character mm. and the story does go into that like he has to make a conscious effort to kind of prove to people that no i'm a good person you should trust me which isn't something you should really put on a child anyway y'all just need to stop being dicks yeah and i did like i did like it that when the librarians were like oh so this little local town library you are restricting this based off of people's social status to who, to, um, who can come in here that's not allowed <laughs> <laughs> the other people in the party are like holy shit she is scary oh my god <laughs> yeah. the snake lady comes out <laughs> Acts, equal access to reading is very important for everybody. Yeah. 
If they're stolen, go get them. If they're broken, fix them and put them back on the shelves where they can break them again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not like books don't get returned to libraries in very strange conditions to start with. Yeah. Um, I, mean, God, I, remember as a, I remember as a kid, I definitely left a book outside in the rain once and we had to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like four, okay? And I'm sure we've all been there buying a, buying a used book that's a library copy and you're just hoping for the best. Yep. A very careful process of like peeling off the old library stickers on the spine. <laughs> oh, and I really want to talk about again. Just God, I love the art in this series. Um, I know that uh, the creator is probably making use of either assistance and or like lots of tools and like Clip Studio Paint or something just for the intense amount of like shading and screen tones and just little designs everywhere but it still looks really nice mm-hmm. there's just so many gorgeous spreads in all three of these volumes so far uh, between that and the just genuine love of books it honestly reminds me of which had atelier in mm-hmm. some respects mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean the basic premise is kind of similar it's you know young person sort of an outsider coming into another society uh with differences, of course, because they are two different series. But both series are just very genuinely in love with the subject they're portraying. And I really think that there could be a lot of crossover readers if you know, if you know, you know, which hat readers want something else to read in the meantime. Like, while we're waiting for the next volume, may I give you this other series? <laughs> yeah. This is in print, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Okay. I think in first volume, if I remember correctly that that's actually the first advertisement in the back is which hat let me have it in front of me yeah they are both yeah it is like yeah. yeah i mean so I that's did... smart to have that story as the first advertisement <laughs> in the back i bought this one particularly because it wasn't at our comic shop but um i also saw that it was one of kongongsha's digital first manga so i didn't know mm. but good to know it is i will buy that in print uh because we hoard manga over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been reading digital review copies but i definitely want to get this in print at some point even though i too um i won't say i'm hoarding manga but i definitely have a lot of it by this point there was a joke on twitter going around what feels like a library but isn't and i was like my manga collection yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. our manga collection like that. yeah yours is like the central library and mine's like the east <laughs> since mine's smaller mine's like only 300 volumes here so yeah. we have because uh... i use an app for cataloging and it says i have 300 volumes now and you and Dana are like, this app has a limit of 5,000 volumes. I don't think it's big enough. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think we have two, seven shelves that are uh, front and back and then stacked on top as well for most of them. I laugh at people from on the shelves where they don't have to start doing things like double shelving and laying flat on top of the books to fill yeah. in every space in between <laughs> the shelves. You'll never get shelf, uh, what do they call it? The one where it bends in the middle. Oh, God, yeah. Thankfully, my shelves Bowing. are like built into the wall so hopefully you would take a lot yeah. to bow those but you know you'll never get bowing if you stack them on top of each other to the point that the manga holds up the rest of the manga oh yeah gosh. i might need to do that with my shelf that has like all my gundam the origin volumes you know all those hard covers yeah um, yeah i specifically Struck put the origin me. ones on the ground <laughs> or like on the bottom shelf i mean use them as supports to create the other shelves yeah <laughs> but yeah do you guys have any other final thoughts I'm not entirely sure where this story is going to go. I think it's just going to follow Theo as his rise through the library, because they're definitely making all these grand pronouncements that he's going to be like some sort of hero against an incoming storm of the world. But I'm just... It, the story is taking its time and getting going. In a good way. It's not pace badly, but it's taking its time. So I'm hmm. kind of not entirely sure where it's going to go. Yeah, I've only read one volume, I, uh, but I really like... Um 
how it was setting everything up, like starting when he was six. And uh, as the, I guess, one minority in this town, he achieved above literally everyone else. And finally, he got the uh, respect that he deserved to be treated as an equal. <laughs> I'm just sad there's only volumes out. I feel like it's coming out slow. Maybe it's just me. I feel like the first volume's been out for a while, at least. So I'm sad that there's still only three, but hopefully we get another one next month. Yeah, volume four, I think, is coming out in December. I think we may just, like, be caught up or basically caught up with the Japanese releases. I think that might be it. Oh, no. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Corey, can you play us out? Sure. Uh, where can we find everybody on the internet? Uh- you can find me on Twitter at Bonjourin. I am still alive. I say that every time. Mostly to convince myself. But you can find me there. <laughs> Aren't we all at this point? Uh-huh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WanderingDreamer. And like I said, I also do manga and light novel reviews over at the OASG. I've done reviews for all three bonds and mangas of the library so far. Been a little slow getting them out recently because Genshin Impact has taken up my free time. But I do have a review of Rose of Versailles recently because... um. The Rose of Versailles manga is a hoot. It is so much more hilarious than the anime. I think I might actually prefer this version. Yeah, I read the first volume uh, of Rose of Versailles for the podcast, and then I had the other two sitting around that I haven't gotten to yet, but I really liked all those, the, the first volume. There obviously. are more volumes, Corey! Yeah, I know. Isn't there only <laughs> five total? Yeah, there's going to be five omnibuses total. Yeah, okay. first three are out. I'll just wait Luna for We've had a lot of delays this year, probably possibly because of COVID, so four is coming out in a question mark time of the future. Well, I mean, they're it's, so also, nice. it's also they're so nice. And it took them like three years to release the first one to begin with, right? Yeah, I know, but like, oh, Erica Friedman was um, mentioning on Twitter like a month or two ago, she was complaining that um, Rosa Versailles hadn't even been nominated for some 2019 awards, I think like at Harvey Awards, and it was like, you know this got delayed from December to a late January release, right? It actually came out in 2020. <laughs> like, yes, I got my review copy in December 2019, but they pushed it back. They oh pushed gosh. it back even before COVID. And then, God, I think they pushed volume back, volume two, so far back that like volume three came out like the very next month, like July, August yeah, or something. I remember. I had like, just gotten it, and then I saw. No, I was like, I just bought this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in a year of weird manga scheduling, where like a lot of things got pushed back, this one stands out. Anyway, let's close out the rest of this episode. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CompassionateK, and you can find this podcast on Twitter at Longing Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That's T-A-I-I. And uh, as I said, one more episode to end the year, our favorites, 2020, and then we're taking a break till 2021, which will hopefully have uh, half of the pandemic that this one had. Yeah, that's still a lot of pandemic. <laughs> <laughs>